just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back with the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope all is going well with you. But to be perfectly honest with you, I don't know how that could be. Because you see, every time you turn on the TV news, read the newspaper, go on the internet, look at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or even this very same podcast, it's impossible to look at them, read them, listen to them, and not hear about tragedy, trauma, sickness, war, death, natural disasters. I mean, Jesus Christ, it's depressing as hell to watch the news every day. And it would be one thing if all these things happened one right after another. That would be tough enough. But this kind of stuff is happening all at once. And in this podcast, we'll talk about the three biggest problems that we are facing currently. At least in my opinion, there are all kinds of difficulties and problems out there. But the ones seemingly to have the biggest impact are the ones we're going to talk about in this podcast. Now, it's interesting, for as tumultuous as this is, there is one other decade we can compare it to. And it used to be that when people would say to me, oh, these are the worst of times, I would say, no, no, no. The 1960s were certainly the most tumultuous decade in recent history, certainly in my history. And uh, for those of you that weren't born in the 60s, didn't experience the 60s, you may not understand just how bad that was. It was pretty bad. It was hard to see. Now, you have to understand, I was only zero to nine years old in the 1960s, but I was once one uh, of a group of kids growing up that were the first to see news play out on television. We watched a lot of television. We had some corny sitcoms and all that kind of stuff. But we had some pretty hard-hitting news, and it was much different news than you see today. It wasn't entertainment-based. It was just the facts, ma'am. That's what they were. And the facts of what was happening in the 1960s were some pretty hard facts. And for a kid in a single digits, it was pretty scary. But I know it was scary for the adults, too. I mean, let's think about the 1960s. We had the Vietnam War. 50,000 people were killed in the Vietnam War, and it seemingly was all for nothing. We ended up tearing out of that country, losing that war, essentially, and left a lot of American lives on Vietnamese soil. Not unlike what we're seeing in Afghanistan currently. But we'll talk more about Afghanistan in a moment or so. But in addition to the Vietnam War, we had all kinds of riots. Civil war or civil rights riots. People were fighting for the civil rights. President Johnson made sure that the civil rights bill was passed. But there was a lot of riots and a lot of protests going on. All played out on TV. We had Vietnam War protesters, and those turned into riots. 
I remember sitting on the couch one day watching television. And my mom came in and saw me crying. I'm like seven or eight. She said, what the heck are you crying about? And I was watching television. I was watching the news. And what I was watching was a riot on the campus of the University of Wisconsin. These were people rioting or protesting initially against the war in Vietnam. There was a lot of violence there. There was all kinds of problems on campuses all over the country. Remember Kent State when the National Guard shot some of the kids? So I'm watching this on television, and I'm crying, and my mom says, what, what's wrong? And I just looked at her and said, Mom, I don't want to go to college. She said, what? I mean, I'm not even close to going to college, but she's wondering why the hell I'm saying that. I point at the television, and I see, and she sees the riot going on there and all the violence and all these kids getting hurt and these kids hurting other people. I didn't want to be a part of that. So she turned off the television and uh, sat me down and read a book or something, try to get my mind off of it. In addition to those things, we had four major assassinations. John F. Kennedy, the president. Robert F. Kennedy, the attorney general, who was running for president. Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. Now, this created all kinds of turmoil all kinds of problems, and people were scared. It was chaotic, and it seemed very violent out there. And people in the 60s didn't get as much news as we get now, but they got enough to know that some shit was going down, and it was a problem. And our future was uncertain, and it was scary. So that's why I'd always say to people, yeah, this is nothing. Look at the 60s. That was terrible, and we got through it. Well, now I have to revise that opinion a little bit, because some of the things I've seen since the Trump administration started are far more scary, far more dangerous, far more death. I mean, we had 50,000 people die in Vietnam, and that was horrific. But with COVID... We've got more than 600,000 people dead and people still not doing what they're supposed to do to protect the people they represent. This is a scary time. It's scary for me, and I can imagine it's scary for the younger people. But you have to understand, I'm not scared for me. I'm going to make it through this. I made it through the 60s. I'll make it through this. I'm old. My time is short here comparatively. What I'm frightened about is what's going to be left for my children and my grandchildren. That's why I do the things I do here, because I feel compelled to try to do something, whether it be speaking out or protesting or whatever it is, in order to try to find a way to make things better for my children and my grandchildren, your children and your grandchildren. And you should be thinking about this, too. We've spent decades being apathetic with our politics, and this is where it brought us. This is why we are here. So that apathy has to go away, and people all have to be standing up, speaking out, be activists. Because if we don't make noise and push back, 
it's going to be hard to recover from all that we've suffered through. So keep that in mind. With that, let's talk about the problems. Well, Afghanistan is the big problem, of course. We uh, were put in Afghanistan, our troops, some 5,000 troops, maybe more, um, 20 years ago. We uh, were put there by George W. Bush, and it had a lot to do with the 9-11 attack in New York. It was reported that bin Laden, the terrorist, was hiding in Afghanistan. And the problem with Afghanistan at that time it was being ruled by the Taliban. So America sent troops in, got the Taliban the hell out of there, and took over in Afghanistan and became police officers essentially in Afghanistan to keep the peace. Now, the intention was to train the Afghanis, give them money, pay their salaries, do whatever, train them and give them weapons so that they could protect themselves. I don't know if anybody imagined that they would be there 20 years, maybe a year, two, maybe five years, but 20 fucking years, that's what it took? So, over the years with George W. Bush, uh, we've got uh, Obama, we've got Donald Trump, everybody was talking about getting our troops out of Afghanistan. But nobody could do it. Well, I have to give Donald Trump a little credit. Because he's the one that went after getting this done. But the way he did it really fucked us up and was a poor choice. Because, you see, Donald Trump wasn't prepared or equipped to be president of the United States. And pulling these troops out of Afghanistan took a little savvy, took a little finesse. And Donald Trump has neither of these things. He's like a bull in a china shop. So what's he do? He goes and has a negotiation with the Taliban. Can you imagine that? You're going to negotiate with a terroristic organization. What kind of fucking dumb idea is that? So Donald Trump does what he did with Putin and Kim Jong-un. He tries to go over and charm them, become their friends. He believes whatever they tell him. So he's negotiating with the Taliban. But in order to do that, he has to talk to the leader of the Taliban. But the leader of the Taliban's in jail. Now, when the Taliban was started, it was founded by uh, Mullah Omar. Well, he's dead now, thank God. But the other partner was Mullah Bardar. He was in jail for a long, long time. So Donald Trump decided that he needed to negotiate with that man in order to set things straight with the Taliban so he could pull the troops out and everything would be cool because you can trust terrorists, can't you? So he lets Mullah Bardar out of jail. He meets with Mullah Bardar and he claims to have cut some great sweet deal 
where everything will be all right. We'll pull the troops out, and uh, the Taliban won't do anything. Well, they're terrorists. You can't talk to terrorists and believe anything they say. But at the same point, you can't listen to Donald Trump and believe everything he says. So Donald Trump cuts this deal, and the deal says they'll pull 5,000 troops out in May. That didn't happen. So then he decided he'd do it on January 15th, just five days before he was going to leave office and hand the reins over to Joe Biden. I laugh at that because, of course, these idiots think Donald Trump is still president, that Biden didn't win. But surprise, surprise, Biden still sitting in the uh, in the White House some eight months after the fact. So now Joe Biden has this deal cut and he kind of has to follow it. But he decides, you know, if I do this in the springtime, this is a high season for war and fighting. So he thought he'd do it at a later date in order to make it a little harder for any war or problems to start. So he chose August, August 14th, oddly enough, a day after Donald Trump was supposed to be reinstated in office. And of course, we know that never fucking happened. And so so Joe Biden decides to pull the troops out. Now, let's be honest. This is something that needed to be done. There is no reason in the world that America has to sit in Afghanistan for 20 years, spend $2 trillion, and lose 2000 American soldiers. But that's what happened. Nobody else had the courage to actually pull the trigger and do it, but Joe Biden did. And he did it based on the deal Donald Trump cut. But Donald Trump's not much of a negotiator in spite of the fact he claims to be the king, the art of the deal and all that, you know. But he fucked up. He did a horrible deal. And he trusted terrorists. And that never, ever works. Now, people will try to blame Joe Biden for pulling these people out too quickly. Or they'll forget that Donald Trump cut this deal. Well, I have a couple of things for you that prove that, in fact, Donald Trump did cut this deal and had plans of pulling people out. As I said in the previous podcast, they were so proud of Donald Trump pulling troops out of, uh, out of Afghanistan that Donald Trump and the Republicans just crowed about it. In fact, they posted it on their website. They were so proud of it. But when all this shit goes down and they want to pass the buck to Joe Biden, they pull that down off the website. But I want to tell you about a couple of interviews that Donald Trump did. Now, while he was president, Donald Trump had an interview with Hannity on Fox. And Hannity was talking to him about this negotiation. And Hannity asked him, you said you talked to who? And Trump said, Mullah Baradar. But I had a strong conversation with him. I was tough on him. <laughs> yeah, we know how tough you are, dude. You want to make butt buddies out of these 
dictators and these terrorists and these killers. You proved it with Putin and Kim Jong-un, and now you're doing it with Mullah Bardar. So he admitted on Hannity that he talked to this guy while he was president and that he planned to pull people out of Afghanistan, our troops. And if that's not enough for you, how about this? In 2012, he had an interview regarding Afghanistan, and this is what he said. What are we doing there? These people hate us. As soon as we leave, it's all going to blow up anyway. So he knew exactly what the deal is, and he knew what he wanted to do four years before he became president of the United States. So to blame Joe Biden for wanting to pull these troops out of Afghanistan is fucking ridiculous. Actually, all the presidents from George Bush all the way up to uh, Joe Biden wanted to pull them out, but nobody had the courage. Donald Trump cut the deal, but he never pulled the trigger. Wonder why? Well, he didn't want it to affect his election. He thought it might cost him votes, and it would have. So anyway... Donald Trump, for years and years, wanted to see troops pulled out of Afghanistan. And you know what? He wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong at all. They weren't pulled out too early. They were pulled out too late. It should have never gone 20 years. It cost this country lives of our American service people. It cost us $2 trillion that could have gone to more Important things in this country like starvation, health care, housing, the homeless. Could have gone to all those things. It wouldn't have as long as the Republicans were in charge, but it could have. Instead, we fueled a war that went for 20 years. The never-ending war, they called it. Now, it's interesting how they will get all over Joe Biden about pulling these people out of Afghanistan. But now they're screaming about, well, he did it too fast. He didn't get out the Afghan interpreters and their families, and they promised to do that. And Joe Biden screwed that up, and he didn't do it. Well, here's something interesting. Not that long ago, prior to the extraction of these troops from Afghanistan, on July 22nd, 2021, maybe a month ago, these 16 Republican members of Congress voted against evacuating Afghan interpreters and families. The Republicans said no, and some of the names on the, this list you'll recognize. Biggs, Boebert, Brooks, Dejarlay, Duncan, Good, Gosar, Hearn, Heiss, Massey, Moore, Perry, Posey, Rosendale, Roy, and Marjorie Taylor Greene. These same people that are screaming at Joe Biden for pulling out these interpreters too slowly. These are the same people that voted against pulling them out at all. You see what we're dealing with here? We're dealing with fucking idiots. We're dealing with people who don't care about other people's lives. All they care about is their own power. All they care about is getting reelected. And they will say and do anything in order to accomplish that, 
even if it means people dying. And that's what happened in Afghanistan. Now we have a mess. Now Joe Biden is sending in another 4,000 troops in order to get people evacuated. Because the Taliban has a real rough policy on women. No education. They rape and abuse them. There is atrocities going on in Afghanistan right now. And granted, Joe Biden has to take some of the heat for that. But what is he going to do? Because there never was going to be a good time to take these people out. Donald Trump already cut the deal. The deal was set. All Joe Biden did is follow through with the deal that already had been agreed upon. But now it's his fault. Donald Trump cut this deal. Donald Trump wanted these people out. He just didn't have the courage to do it before the election because he thought it would hurt his chances to win. Little did he know that his chances were slim anyway, and he wouldn't win. Well, Joe Biden got some courage and pulled the people out. And granted, it is horrible to see what's happening to, to those people in Afghanistan. But we got a lot of shit going on here. And we have to focus on these things here. The Taliban has a, uh, an army of about 75,000 people. The Afghanis have 325,000 people. Hell, they have an air force and the Taliban doesn't. They have the support of the United States, the money that we put into it, the weapons we gave them, the training we gave them. The Taliban comes in and takes over. They lay down their guns and don't do anything. How is Joe Biden supposed to know that these people can't fight for themselves, won't fight for themselves? How is he supposed to deal with that? Stay there another 20 years? No, you can't do that because the same thing would happen. And all that would be was more money and more lives from America. So Joe Biden was between a rock and a hard place. He had to do something. And he's the first one since George W. Bush to have the courage to get the fucking thing done. Now, it would have been done better had Donald Trump not buddied up with the Taliban and Mullah Baradar. Because you don't do that with these people. Now, people will call me a bleeding heart liberal because I don't like Donald Trump. And I'm not. To be perfectly honest with you, what I would love to see with what's going on in Afghanistan has nothing to do with liberal policy. It's more a Republican line, uh, if you will, because you can't try to deal with terrorists. You can't. You give them power, they are going to cause atrocities, kill people, rape people, abuse people, enslave people. That's what they do. That's what the Taliban did back when they were there the first time. That's what they're going to do now. If I was president and I thought I could pull it off, I would pull everybody that wants to, that wants to be out of Afghanistan out of there, find a place to put them, and then send in some planes and bomb the shit out of every Taliban member. Because to be perfectly honest with you, the only way we can deal with the Taliban is kill them. Because they've proven untrustworthy. They've proven to be violent and vicious. The only thing we can do is exterminate them. 
Now, that's not a very Christian thing to say, and it's not a very liberal thing to say. But as I've said all along, I'm neither Republican or Democrat, conservative or liberal. I'm just a guy who sees what I see and thinks what I think. And for whatever reason, I decide to spit it out here on the podcast. We'll see what's going to happen. We'll be keeping a close eye on it, of course, and keeping you informed as best we can with the information we get. Right now, let's take a break. We'll get on to some other things, and we'll be right back. You know, starting a podcast has been my main goal from the very start. This is where I feel the most comfortable. But the thing about TikTok and Clapper and even Instagram to a certain extent is you can get some instant commentary from your listeners. You get questions, you get comments, you get opinions, you get ripped, (laughs) which I don't mind either. But with podcasts, it's a little tougher. You don't have that immediate reaction. But I think it's important that I hear from listeners, too, because I'm not the only one with an opinion. I'm certainly in a position to learn some things. So I do want to hear from you. You can do it easily enough by contacting me directly at rationalboomer at gmail.com, rationalboomer at gmail.com, or you can go to anchor.fm and leave a voice message. But for me, this show needs some interaction, needs to hear from other people of a like mind to see your point of view, because you have one, and it's crucial. So be sure to reach out here on the Rational Boomer podcast. What I find truly frustrating is how there are a faction of people out there that refuse to believe and will deny things that have been proven by science. They look down their nose at science, and they'd rather believe a pillow salesman or a dumb fuck president or a Republican Congress who's done nothing but lie to them. They'd prefer to believe them instead of what science tells us. And we've got a couple instances of that. First of all, covid Now, COVID has killed over 600,000 people. We had four different rises in COVID infections. We're in the middle of the fourth right now. Fortunately, it's mostly affecting those unvaccinated. These people are getting sick and some are dying. Now, people who are vaccinated can catch COVID on a breakthrough case. They aren't going to get sick, they aren't going to be hospitalized, and they aren't going to die. So why should we worry, huh? Well, I'll tell you why we should worry. If we are a breakthrough case and get COVID while we won't get sick, there is a remote possibility that we can give that virus to somebody else. Now, the bulk of the people that aren't vaccinated are the anti-vaxxers or kids under 12. I happen to have a couple of grandkids who are under 12, a couple of grandnieces and nephews that are under 12. They aren't vaccinated. So I'm fine. Maybe I'm asymptomatic. But I give these kids this virus. I would be devastated. And because I would be devastated, now I have to be extra cautious. Do I go see them? Do I wear a mask? Do I take a COVID test before I see them? And to be perfectly honest with you, at this point in time, I think my wife and I have agreed that before we are going to see our grandchildren, 
we are going to take a COVID test just to be sure. Now, I know my son and his wife are very concerned about this, and they'd want that too, but I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it for me and my wife. We don't want to be the ones that deliver COVID or the Delta variant or whatever other variant to our grandchildren, these innocent kids. Those people that aren't vaccinated think, well, what do you care? It's just me. It's just me. Well, it's not just you. It's the kids that aren't vaccinated. It's the possibility of creating a whole new variant that will do God knows what. Maybe it will impact the vaccinated at this point, depending on how it mutates. Now, when Donald Trump left office, there was a big sigh of relief saying, okay, we're out of the bullshit. Donald Trump is gone. Never in my wildest dreams did I imagine that those horrible policies would be continued by governors of states in this country. Yet Donald Trump's gone. He can't do shit. But we got governors just as bad or worse that are continuing this draconian policies that they are insisting in their own states. Now, we have people in Texas. We have Greg Abbott in Texas, DeSantis in Florida. We have Louisiana, Alabama, Georgia, Arizona. All these places are trying to force the issue of not having a mask mandate in the public schools. It's ironic. Why would you not want to protect the kids? And if you make the kids wear a mask, what does it cost you? Well, it costs your pride, your ego. It's contrary to your policy or your ideology. So it hurts your feelings, thinking it's going to hurt your chances to get the votes you need in the next election. Or worse yet, it's going to piss off Donald Trump, and we're all scared of Donald Trump. So you tell people, no, you can't have a mask mandate in your schools. We're going to let those poor kids risk their lives and their health because you've got too big an ego. Now, the fact of the matter is, is that in those states, we're seeing horrific things. I did a TikTok about uh, the things that were happening in Hillsborough County, Florida. At this point, probably worse now, because I got this this morning, uh, there are 5,599 students and 316 teachers that are in isolation or quarantine. They have been exposed to the coronavirus. And of course, they're forced not to wear masks, and that makes it worse. Except in this situation with Hillsborough County. You see, at the time they started school, the mask mandate was still in effect. However, parents were given an option to opt out of that mask mandate, to be able to send their kids to school without a mask. And there were 28,000 parents that did that. So 28,000 parents sent their kids to school without masks in a state that is virtually a cesspool of virus. Florida is the absolute worst state in the country for COVID right at this point. 
I mean, it's spreading faster than you can imagine. They're talking about 10 to 12,000 new cases of COVID or the Delta variant every fucking day. And even that doesn't cause Governor DeSantis to step up and say, yeah, let's, let's put masks on the kids to try to keep them safe. Now the uh, school district is coming together and trying to, um, well, they're having a meeting, an emergency meeting, to decide what to do about this problem. Well, the problem could have been mitigated by wearing the fucking mask in the first place, but the governor doesn't want to. But it's not just the governor. It's 28,000 parents who decided it wasn't important. It wasn't effective. Now you want to figure out how to fix it. Maybe somebody should have used their head, common sense, believed science, and done something in advance. Who knows how much they could have saved doing that. I mean, let's be honest with you. Your government has the first job they have to do is to protect its people. Now, a lot of people tie that to terrorism and crime and all that sort of stuff. But it has to do with people who are getting hurt and killed. And COVID and the Delta variant certainly fall in that category. And not only are you not protecting them, you're putting them in a position to be more at risk. Causing more people to get the virus, causing more people to die. I hate to even say it, but what happens in Florida to Ron DeSantis when some children actually succumb to this virus? These people who are so stringently against masks, what are they going to think now? See, that's the thing about it. All these people... Believe what they're being told. But when it comes down to that moment in time when somebody you know or yourself is in a bed with a tube up your nose and you're dying, then all of a sudden it comes a light above your head. said, oh my God, I should have got the vaccine. I should have wore a mask. But at that point, it's too fucking late. And the thing about it is, is it's sad to imagine that these people took lying on their deathbed or losing friends, families, or neighbor to actually have that idea come to mind that maybe, just maybe, I should have listened. But now it's too late. And it's way too late because now lives are being lost and you're paying the price and the people around you are paying the price just because you were stupid, just because you were wrong and refused to admit that you were wrong. You refuse to take any precautions from keeping people healthy. But now you've got to live with that for the rest of your life, assuming you're one of the fortunate ones that do live. It's fucking tragic. I mean, it's, it's terrible. And it's not just Florida. It's Arizona. It's Louisiana. It's Alabama. It's Georgia. It's all these red states that refuse to get vaccinated that are just now inundated with COVID cases. You look at the map, the whole southern section of the country is solid red, which means we've got COVID running wild. We've got medical beds filled to the brim. And all that means is if you've got other problems where somebody's involved in a crash, has a serious illness, has a heart attack, 
they're going to call for an ambulance and they're going to say, you know what, we're booked up. And then what are you going to say? You can say it's a, a hoax or it's a fake, but when your hospital rooms are full to the brim, you got to take a second look, wouldn't you think? Don't you see the danger in having every hospital room filled to capacity? If your kid needs his tonsils out, if your kid has a broken leg, if your grandfather has a heart attack and there's no place to go, what does it take for you to see the problem here? What does it take for you to see the danger that you're walking right the fuck into? It's, it's amazing to me. I'm dumbfounded by how people can be this stupid and short-sighted. And they never see the light until it's too late. It's fucking ridiculous. Now, in Texas, we've got much of the same thing. We've got a, um, a governor that's fighting the mask mandates in schools. They've got uh, um, hospital rooms that are full up. And they've got uh, COVID running rampant throughout the country in Texas. And surprise, surprise, surprise. The biggest opponent of mask mandates, their governor, Greg Abbott. But guess what? Greg Abbott got COVID-19. He's been diagnosed as having COVID-19. I don't know if it's the Delta variant, but COVID nonetheless. Now, you're probably saying, oh, my God, our governor's sick. What's going to happen? Well, nothing's going to fucking happen. You know why? Because he's vaccinated. He's telling his people don't get vaccinated. He's telling his people not to wear the mask, but he's vaccinated. I bet he wears a mask now that he's COVID positive. He's told everybody on his staff that they must be vaccinated. So he's scared enough of this disease and the possible outcome of not being safe. But yet he's telling his constituents No, no, it's not a big deal. Don't wear the mask. It'll steal your liberty. Don't get the vaccination because it's dangerous. It's untested. Well, I find that interesting, that part where they say that the COVID vaccine is untested. They've been working on this for decades, a coronavirus, not specifically COVID-19, but they've come a long way in their studies and investigations and uh, experimentations with that. We're going to see some of these shots finally approved by the FDA in the next week to a month. And then we'll see what they say. Everybody always told me, well, if it was approved by the FDA, I'd take it. Okay, it's going to be approved by the FDA. We'll see if you take it. I bet you have another excuse. And you'll continue to have excuses until people around you or you yourself get sick or die. Then all of a sudden, you'll be having an epiphany. Oh, I need help. I need the vaccine. It's, it's sad and it's stupid, and I don't really know what to think about it. The thing is, is that this is going to continue to get bad. We thought it'd get bad in the fall, but now we're in the middle of summer. 
we're not even to fall yet. So conceivably, it could get worse. And that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a huge problem in this country. It's going to shut things down again. People are going to lose jobs. Businesses are going to lose money. And we're going to have to start this fucking thing all over again just because of stupidity. I don't know. I don't know what to say about it because it's so appalling that these people will take these kind of risks and even risk against their kids. Now, I said I was going to talk about three big issues. I've talked about two. Let's talk about the third. And to a lot of people, this may not be a big issue because there's a lot of people that refused to believe in science. We talked about COVID. But what about global warming? No, that's just fake. That's not real. Yeah, but we've got fires all over this country. We've got smoke wafting across this country. We've got um, unprecedented heat waves going across this country. We're seeing things hotter than we've ever seen it before. In fact, I think July was was uh, figured out to be the hottest July or hottest month in decades. So something's happening out there. And with four years of doing everything we can to go against global warming, to help global warming with Donald Trump in office, it's starting to rear its ugly head. Now, in this TikTok I did earlier today, I talked about how I'm seeing global warming right in my backyard. I've told people before I live on a lake. It's a pretty big lake in this state. So it's not some tiny little pond. It's a huge lake. And this lake is lower than I've ever seen it in the 8 to 10 years that I've lived here. I mean, the water is very low. You go out on the lake and you're seeing rocks sticking up and trees sticking up and stumps and those sorts of things. Things you never saw before. So to navigate the lake is more difficult. But that's not really the problem. Actually, there's poetic uh, justice going on. Because, you see, whenever I'm on that lake, I'm driving a 20-foot pontoon, just putting around, enjoying the wildlife and the water and my family and what have you. But inevitably, there are some of the wealthy people, and there are many on this lake, that cruise around the lake at high speeds, ignoring all rules and regulations, swamping boats with their huge um, wakes, throwing wakes up on people's property, ignoring all the regulations, as I said. And they all have Trump flags, and they're all wealthy people. They're MAGA people. They're red. They're Republicans. Think they're conservative, but we haven't seen conservatives recently. But here's what's happening. Because the lake is so low and they have these big boats, well, they aren't able to get their boats out into the lake anymore because, you see, at their docks or at their lifts, the water is so low they can't put their boats in the lake. So what are they doing? They're pulling their boats off the lake until next year. Now, I pull my boat off the lake uh, around October 15th. It's the middle of August. So these people are going to be without the enjoyment 
of their boats, these big, huge boats and these wonderfully wealthy people for two months because they have to pull their boats off the lake. And why? Well, the one thing they don't believe in, global warming. That's what's causing our waters to be so low. I mean, what you have to understand is the Southwest and the, and, uh, the Northwest are in a 22-year drought. We're talking since 2000 that we've been in a drought. And if you don't think it's affecting things, you'd be mistaken. The largest reservoir in this country is Lake Mead and Hoover Dam. That is currently at 35% of what it once was when it was full. Yeah, it's one-third the amount of water in that reserve than we've seen in normal conditions. That's significant. That's dramatic. And that reservoir serves a lot of places, like 40 million people. People in Arizona, New Mexico, California, Nevada, Utah, Colorado, and Wyoming. That's 40 million people in all those places. Now they're going to have water cuts. There are going to be times when they are going to have stringent regulations as to what they can do with their water. You think you have every other day watering on your lawns? It's going to get worse with these folks. And water is the lifeblood to keep people moving. And because of global warming, we're losing our water. Not just a little bit. Not just 10%. In this case, with the reservoir at Lake Mead, by 65% of what it would normally be. If that doesn't fucking scare you, I don't know what. What are you going to do in these seven states if you don't have water or enough water to do what you need to do? Is that enough to make you understand that global warming does have some impact? My situation here in Minnesota, we have a lot of lakes. We have a lot of water. The drought is affecting us here, but not as dramatically as the southwest where they are very poor in water. These idiots that can't bring their boats out is minor to what's happening in the Southwest. These people are going to have troubles getting water for their daily lives. And if that doesn't tell you that there is a problem with global warming, I don't know what does. Now, a report came out that said, you know, we always hear, heard these reports that said, well, we don't do something in five years, it's all going to be done. We don't do something in two years, it's all going to be done. Well, the newest report says we're done. We've let it go too far. And part of that is the four years we spent under Donald Trump, who not only ignored it, but exacerbated the problem. So that doesn't mean we can't save the planet. We can. But we got to get on this shit now. And one of the ways we can do that is through the infrastructure bill. A lot of it is going to deal with global warming. And we have to do something because we can't lose another 65% in this Lake Mead Reservoir because there's only 35% left. People will die because of a drought. People will die because of global warming. People always thought it was off in the future. Well, it won't affect me. Well, it is affecting you right now. It is imminent, the tragedy that will occur when 
certain places in this country run out of water. There are some states that have to cut their water supply by 18-20%. That may not sound like a lot to you, but think about it. Think about the water you use every day. Cut that by 20%, and then maybe next year another 10%, and then the year after another 10%. To suggest this isn't a real thing, like these Trumplicants, MAGA, trolls, whatever you want to fucking call them, to suggest that global warming doesn't exist is absolutely ridiculous. And much like the COVID situation, people are going to die if we don't do something about it. These are three major things that are happening in this country. There's a bunch of other shit, too, that I can't get to because I don't have the time. But if these three things don't scare you, don't upset you, then you're living in a fantasy world. And as I said, the 60s were a turbulent time. I always thought they were the worst, but I don't know. I have to rethink that because the times we're living in now are pretty frightening. And I don't mean to scare you. There are plenty of things we can do to fix things. And Joe Biden's in the process of doing that. But we need the Republicans to kind of work with us here if they want to save this country and this world for that matter. We've got to get that infrastructure bill done, both of them, the bipartisan and the big one, because all that money is necessary to help set this situation right, or at least on the right track. So when somebody says, a Republican says, how are we going to afford that? I'll say, how can we not afford it? Cut some money on, uh, on defense or whatever you have to do it. Tax these rich people. But this is about saving this country, saving this world, saving each and every one of us. I don't give a fuck what it costs. You better pour every penny you can into fixing these situations. COVID, Afghanistan, and global warming. Because if you don't, that will be the final destruction of this country. I don't want to depress you with this show, but I want you to pay attention and look at it and not be apathetic and understand the true danger we're in if something isn't taken care of or something isn't done about these things. I know Joe Biden and Democrats are trying to do that, but we need to force the Republicans to allow them to do it because they're standing in the way of our safety and the future of our country. All right, next time, next time I come back with the podcast, I'll try to be a little more up-tempo because this one I feel was kind of depressing, but I think it's important you understand and know what's going on and how dire it is. So we'll see you again in a couple of days. We'll talk more about some of the things that are happening in this country. We got to stay on top of it and we'll try to do that here on the Rational Boomer podcast. So we'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Next time.